It's a very, very complicated landscape and the target is constantly moving. So what you're trying to protect against, you know, by and large are human actors trying to do bad things. And that means that they can change and respond to actions that you might take to try to thwart them. I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. We've talked in the past about corporate venture capital, companies like Salesforce, which have their own venture capital arms. You can find our coverage of Salesforce in our archives. Looking ahead, we'll be talking to Airbus, the European airplane manufacturer, about its investments. This week, though, let's zero in on Capital G. It's Google's other venture capital firm. You've likely heard of Google Ventures, GV. It was a big investor in Uber and other superstar companies and gets lots of press. Its little brother is Capital G. Gene France is general partner. So I thought Google Venture Capital was Google Ventures GV. And all of a sudden, here's Capital G. Explain the difference to me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's a good question. and We get it a lot. And I think we've done a great job confusing the world about uh, what we do and what they do. So um, Capital G was established with the exclusive mandate to focus on growth equity investing. And so uh, we make a handful of investments a year and have a relatively concentrated portfolio so that we can bring um, Google resources to bear in a way that's compelling and uh, well suited for each individual company. And so unlike a lot of the venture firms that are earlier stage, uh, our uh, much more concentrated portfolio enables us to be more systematic about that. And so GV, which has done a terrific job uh, investing uh, Alphabet's money since it was formed, I think around 2009, um, has a, uh, by and large, an earlier stage focus and, um, and a much, much larger portfolio because of that. And so uh, the, the easiest way to think about it is that we're exclusively focused on later stage, larger investments. Uh, GV uh, does a good job in, a, in the earlier stage market by and large. And you're smaller than GV. GV's got billions under management, right? That's right. And they've been, a long, they've been around longer than we have. We're only about seven years old. And, um, and so I think where the difference lies is our individual investment per company is quite a bit larger. And so that's the, 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 the difference I'm, I'm highlighting in terms of, of why we're able to be systematic and, and, and quite deep about the engagement that we have with our portfolio companies as a result. Now, when you say bring the Google resources to bear, you don't just mean Google money. 
Um, I mean, there's, there are so many Google resources that can help, you that's know, right. uh, uh, high growth companies. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And so our, um, so, so obviously Alphabet is, is the source of our money, but even more important than that, it's really our strategic advantage. And, um, what we have in Alphabet is a population of, you know, more than a hundred thousand people and, and professionals who are uh, individually skilled and expert in their specific area. And so uh, when we find that a company has a challenge, we're able to really look within that population to find the right uh, person or set of people that can help advise the company. And that's a very unique approach. And I think beyond that, Alphabet is constantly running programs and training for engineering and sales and digital marketing and all of those um, uh, offerings we're able to bring to our portfolio companies for their participation. And so Alphabet is a tremendous resource uh, and, and, and uh, base of expertise in scaling and growing a successful technology company. And so we're able to really bring that uh, to the advantage of the companies in which we invest. Well, and when the entrepreneurs and the and the growth companies are looking at who they should take the funding from, that's got to be a huge selling point. You know, you need you need somebody who knows uh, cryptocurrency. We got that person. You that's need right. Somebody who knows robotics. We got that person. That's right. We have the, the world's biggest concentration, probably, of PhDs ever. That's right. And I think, as I myself, and I think more broadly, all of us at Capital G looked at the world and decided to join. I think we shared the observation that there was a lot of very smart well-connected, well-resourced professionals that were investing. And the question we posed to ourselves is, what could we offer that would be different? And the alphabet Google angle is quite different and, uh, and is something that the market hadn't had before that we thought was quite compelling. And what I would say now with the benefit of seven years of, of working at it, we've also been very impressed with the engagement that we've had with Google, and I give Google culture all credit for that. It turns out that um, there's a level of teamwork and camaraderie that exists at Google that's very real, that uh, we definitely benefit from and very much appreciate. How do you balance invest, uh, I guess the exit of the company, it would seem to me that you're an excellent scout for what Google should be buying. Um, you know, we've invested in this company. We ought to just buy it. Um, yeah. I guess, uh, you know, a secondary question, and we can take these one at, one at a time, is, you know, why wasn't Google doing whatever it is you invest in at Google? Yeah, that's uh, a great question. But let's start with that one. I mean, there's yeah. an interesting, you know, conflict there. It's like, hey, we want to grow this company. We're going to, you know, we're going to take it to market. We're going to take it to IPO. Uh, we're going to have a great exit, et cetera. And somebody at Google says, but they do this incredibly cool thing that we thought was cool enough to invest in. Right. Let's just, let's just fold it into the company. Yeah, that's a great question. No, I'm glad you brought that up. So, so uh, importantly, our mission is to generate financial return. So when... We engage with Alphabet and Google to talk about whether Capital G is doing a good job, whether we're doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. That conversation revolves around financial return. And so that's the single metric that uh, Alphabet and Google use to evaluate our performance. That's the basis on which the team gets paid. That's really what we're all about. And the reason that is important is that I think Google has had historically the observation smartly that when you try to invest for both financial return and strategic, 
reasons, you end up getting neither. And so it's, it's uh, companies well served to try to separate those two things. And so uh, we're focused on financial return. As I say, that's our single metric. Um, Alphabet and Google, to the degree that they like companies strategically and want to invest in them as a result of that, absolutely are free to do that and do do that. And you do see Google and Alphabet make a handful of of, you know, really they can be small to very, very large investments, not not very many, but they absolutely do do that. And um, and so f- that that remains the realm of of, um, of of Google and Alphabet. And for us, financial return is, is what we're here to do. Have now, you ever s- sold it, one of your investments to Google? Alphabet? Yeah, I was just going to say we, we have had that happen. Um, a company called Looker that we were an investor in. Google did buy. And when we invested in Looker, it frankly wasn't necessarily the case that we thought Google would be the likely buyer and exit for the company. Um, we invested in it because we loved the team, we loved the product, and we thought that they were winning in a really big and important market. And so uh, it was really without regard to whether Google or some other company would ultimately buy it or whether the company would go public, which is what it was tracking to do. Um, and, and you've so, got to go to Google and say, listen, you know, you're going to pay the same price that the Microsofts or whoever else would pay uh, because we want our return. And that's fair to those founders as well. Yeah. And I would say, importantly, given our model, we're not majority control investors in the companies that we're invested in. And so it isn't the case that that Google could somehow create an out, a better outcome for it than for the investors, even if we wanted that, which we don't, and which Google absolutely would never pressure us to do. And so um, uh, number one is, is that point. Number two is, um, you know, the, the, the fact is Google uh, and Alphabet uh, absolutely respect the boundaries that we all have established on what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And so, for example, when it comes to decisions about what to invest in or, or whether it's time to sell a company, anything like that, Alphabet and Google would not be involved in that decision. That's left to us, capital G, as part of our mandate to run our business. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Edu slash podcast. You've invested in a number of security companies, and I'm just going to be real upfront about this. I don't like talking about security for a couple reasons. One is I don't really understand it. I mean, I don't yeah. understand the the depth of you know. I understand hackers and white hats and right. all that stuff, but but how it actually works. You know, one in a thousand people understand how it works. Uh, the other problem I, I sometimes have with security is particularly when I'm talking to CEOs 
is, you know, they say, you know, it's a dangerous world out there. Well, we knew that. And we make a product that protects you from that dangerous world. Well, we knew that too. And and I often comment that it's like interviewing a seatbelt maker. You know, oh, if so, if I wear your product in the car, the seatbelt, <laughs> I won't crash. Okay, That's right. Or I won't die in a crash. <laughs> Well, I guess we've talked about everything there's need to talk about, you know. So so what attracts you to security? Yeah, I think a couple things. I think first off, as you point out, it's a very, very complicated landscape. Um, and the target is constantly moving. So what you're trying to protect against, uh, you know, by and large, are human actors trying to do bad things. And that means that they can change and respond to actions that you might take to try to thwart them. And so that creates a very interesting dynamic because the, the problem is constantly evolving and, and therefore needs to be resolved constantly. I think, um, as I also point out, you know, the, the, the domain expertise that Google can bring us uh, is highly, highly relevant in security. And Google, for its part, has you know, some of the most profound security talent in the world in-house, and their mission is really to protect our own products and services, not so much to sell it to third parties, but they're uh, a wonderful fellow traveler for most security companies out there who are trying to address important problems in the market. And so uh, that expertise gives us a real advantage in being able to evaluate what security technologies are really important and then uh, which ones have the most promise to be able to solve important problems and therefore become very successful companies. You were talking earlier about uh, Google's, what Google can bring to these these companies. And in this case, Google's understanding of the internet, its map of the internet would be just incredibly invaluable to, to young security companies. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we found uh, a great deal of fertile ground between uh, the security companies in which we invest and the, the Googlers who are out in the world, again, trying to protect Google from from all the bad actors that are out there. One of your investments is Z Zscaler, and I, I don't know that I want to give you credit for that one because betting on Jay Chaudhry just seems like a natural, you know. It yes. Yeah. Right. Just whatever he's doing, he's he's opening an ice cream store. Okay, fine. Just give him some money, and 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 we'll make millions. Yes. Um, the other the other one is uh, CrowdStrike, uh, and and would you like to explain what CrowdStrike is and why it's in the news, or shall I? Sure. No, I'd be happy to do that. So CrowdStrike addresses a really important security market of endpoint security. And so if you look at uh, the history of endpoint security, and by endpoint, we're talking about computers, servers, basically. I'm going to break in here because Gene didn't answer the question the way I expected he would. CrowdStrike is constantly in the news because it was the firm hired by the Democratic National Committee to look into the hack attacks of 2016, a hack we now know conclusively was conducted by the Russians. CNBC has confirmed an earlier story by the Washington Post that the Russian government and hackers penetrated the computer network of the Democratic National Committee and gained access to the entire database of... This is the firm that President Trump keeps bringing up. In fact, it was part of the president's conversation with Ukrainian President Zelensky, the conversation that got President Trump impeached. NBC's Pete Williams reading the transcript of the call. Quote... I would like to ask you to do us a favor, though, because our country has been through a lot and Ukraine knows a lot about it. I would like you to find out what happened with this whole situation with Ukraine. They say CrowdStrike. I guess you have one of your wealthy people, the server, 
They say Ukraine has it. The idea that Ukraine has the DNC server is, of course, nonsense. In fact, our intelligence agencies say that idea is propaganda dreamed up by Russian intelligence and repeated, unfortunately, by some Americans. So that's the context. Back to the interview. That must have just astonished you when CrowdStrike became almost a household name. Yeah, no, that's right. And I think the other part of CrowdStrike's business historically has been um, remediation, where where if a, if a company is hacked, they have the people that can go in and remediate that hack and, and understand what happened. And that's what you're describing in terms of the DNC experience some years ago. And um, I think that that um, we were uh, quite gratified, of course, to see CrowdStrike acknowledged for the great work that it had done, and all of the positive press around that that was well deserved. And, and, and it protected it protected the American democratic system, not just the Democratic Party, but 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 the the, the system as well. Nonetheless, there has been this, and I don't you know want to dwell on this because both you and I know this is complete nonsense. But but there nonetheless, you know, I mean, CrowdStrike was a word in the impeachment process. Right. Um, you know, Donald Trump is convinced that CrowdStrike has a server somewhere. They don't. Um, uh, it it is bizarre to me that that something that is a very successful company here in Silicon Valley, but is an obscure company anywhere else uh, would would have this kind of attention. Yeah. Yeah. I think, again, that's by virtue of, of it being in the DNC swirl. And so, you know, uh, sort of a, a, a cybersecurity company can make for a, an interesting and, and entertaining target, I suppose, for government officials that, that, that want to try to distract. And so I think here, you know, that's a good example of that. Um, but but um, I think sort of in going back and looking at the record, the work CrowdStrike, CrowdStrike did was was terrific and of great benefit to not just the DNC, but but um, the U.S. more broadly, as you point out. One of your other investments is Expel. That's out in the Washington, D.C. area. We've been talking with a number of investors about how, you know, obviously you've invested in companies that are outside of Silicon Valley before, but that during this COVID time and during work from home, that one of one of the theses I have about the success of Silicon Valley uh, uh, is just the how uh, um, sorry Sand Hill Road is adjacent. You know, I mean that that right. the, the happenstance of people running into each other at the coffee shop, et cetera, creates this this value that other places can't have. They can try to build their silicon prairies and their silicon alleys, but they won't succeed the way we have because of just the physical closeness of everything. But perhaps we're seeing a change there. Yeah, I think it's a great question and, and a very astute observation. And COVID absolutely has caused all of us to reevaluate what geography really means vis-a-vis -vis work. And so, you know, in a world where I can work virtually for much of the time, if not all of the time, that gives an awful lot of latitude for me to live anywhere I want. And, uh, and so, you know, that, that's a, a newfound flexibility that we didn't know was possible before. I should say that, that, that a few companies, but not many knew was possible. Um, you know, Expel is, a, um, is an interesting example of that. They, of course, are in the Washington, D.C. area, and that, that goes to the heart of their lineage in terms of, of you know, security and, and, and a lot of the good work that's been done there. Um, and I think that, that the idea there is to really... Uh, leverage what for companies is becoming an overwhelming problem in terms of managing their own security infrastructure 
and then also the scarcity of security talent that that companies can hire uh, to to do that job for them. So Expels sort of goes right to the heart of those two things. What's what's hard in security? What problems are out there that we're not solving? Yeah. So there, there are two dimensions to it. And I think you cited one early on, which is it's an unbelievably complex landscape that basically grew up where we established sort of the castle, if you will. And we had this perimeter that kept bad people out and kept let good people in. And so every time a new problem uh, breached a castle wall, we had a new device that we slapped on to our network to be able to, to safeguard against that. And so what you had over time was this patchwork of security devices, most of which didn't work all that well together. And uh, as a company, I had to manage that, figure all that out. The, the, you know, the gaps that exist between them creates security vulnerabilities that are, that are new and novel. And so it just is a mess. And so um, that mess, I think, has been an investment trend for us and a lot of other people to really uh, take advantage of. And I think what Expel does is say it will manage your security infrastructure for you. So that when you have your professionals that are overwhelmed by alerts from all of the various boxes and devices and services that you have, we'll triage that down to something that's highly manageable and, ex- and, ex- and can be executed by your team and, and do that for you. And so that, that m- management of their infrastructure leads to uh, sort of reducing complexity for customers in a way that's, that the customers are finding very attractive. And likewise, you know, I don't need to staff a massive security effort when I have a company like Expel helping me manage that. You have to know you need it, though. That's right. That's right. I think, though, increasingly, most CISOs and most CIOs out there would would tell you that their infrastructure is unduly complex and they're doing everything they can to simplify it. So I think that that awareness, you know, is is less controversial now than it would have been a few years ago. What makes you what I was going to say what takes you into the office every day, but of course nobody's going into the office. Right, right, right. What, the what, metaphorical office, that's right. Yes, in the metaphorical office, what what makes you go into the office every day? What what is exciting about what you do? Yeah, I think it. Um, well, I think it's really uh, interesting and invigorating to be uh, a part of the ecosystem that's that's solving problems, important problems for companies and for people out there. And we, of course, are just one small part of that as investors to enable that. But I think doing our job to really find the best companies that we can support the best way we can with all the resources that we have to bear. I think is a really interesting and compelling mission and, and, and it gets me and my colleagues around Capital G very excited. And lastly, just looking ahead to the election, um, I realize you're an investor in, in security and, and, and not a, well, you're somewhat of an expert in security as well. But, um, but what worries you as far as our infrastructure, whether it's, it's voting machines or it's the reporting of votes or anything else that, that your companies are working on that, that are related to the, the election? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's, so there are three things that worry me. Of course, um, maybe four things. I, I think number one would be the integrity of each party's infrastructure so that it isn't compromised by, by uh, people that want to do us harm. And that is something that, that a number of our companies are having a hand in, and that's really important work. 
And I actually feel quite good about the prospects that they'll be able to, 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 to serve clients well on that. So I think that's number one. I think number two, of course, uh, would be um, uh, security at voting machines. And uh, there again, I think there's a lot of important work that's being done. I'd say less focus for our portfolio, perhaps, but, but uh, important nonetheless. I think number three, of course, is security for um, the mail-in ballots, which will be a much bigger part of this election than prior elections. And so uh, the, the security around that is really important. And um, I think fourth and maybe most importantly is just the misinformation campaigns that people that want to do us harm undertake leading up to elections that, that can wreak havoc and, and, and just sow misunderstanding and chaos in a lot of places that, that, um, that's really quite damaging. It almost needs to be like a security company for all the social media and journalism and what that's right. That's flying across the networks. That's right. Yeah, no, that's right. And that's a, that's a very, very hard problem given how, just given the volume of, of interactions that occur there. Um, but, but, uh, but, but critical that, that, um, that we have integrity around that. Gene France, general partner at Capital G. Sand Hill Road is produced by Sean Myers under the leadership of Sarah Bueno and Stephanie Adruni.